Hi everyone, welcome to Manager IQ's Manager Skills Corner podcast. Manager IQ's mission is to provide an online space where managers can access all the resources, learnings and tools to build their manager toolkit and also to provide you with a community of managers to lean on. This podcast is designed to bring experts in specific areas of management to share their knowledge and experience with the Manager IQ community. We share tips and tricks which you can implement into your management practice. For more information about Manager IQ and our products, check out our website www.manageriq.com. Now, let's check out today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to part two of the workplace well-being episode that we have recorded here with our expert, Michelle Keenan. In the first part, we covered off what is workplace well-being? What are the benefits of focusing on workplace well-being? How, what are the things or the components that support good well-being in the workplace? How to assess your team's well-being or figuring out what the signals are that someone in your team may not be well. But now let's carry on to the second part where we continue the conversation. From a individual person's perspective, you know, like every manager that's listening to this now, they're still an individual um, right. as well. They're, you know, the management part of that is not doesn't define their whole person. But if you're an individual listening to this, what were some of the ways that you would, um, I guess, advise them to help them build their own well-being? Mm. Um, and, you know, these things can also apply also to their team as well. So these are some some questions they can ask themselves and some things they can implement. And that can also, you know, circle back around to things, questions they might ask their team to, to find out how they're going with their well-being. So, you know, a really simple one. Uh, are you enjoying your work? Do you actually enjoy being at work, doing the job? Do you feel that sense of purpose and kind of challenge? You know, so that basic kind of enjoyment of your role um, and feeling fulfilled. Um, but, you know, and then a big one is, are you able to switch off when you leave work? Are you actually able to focus on other things without work always intruding when you're doing things with your family or when you're, you know, relaxing or going for a beautiful walk out in nature or, you know, having dinner with your friends. So are you actually able to switch off? Is there that or or is it becoming all-consuming, right? Mm. So that's a big sort of check-in. Um, do, and do you have other interests? Do you have other interests and do you have the energy to pursue them? So when the weekend rolls around or when you finish work, what's your energy like? Sometimes we can feel a bit tired at the end of the workday, but then because we're finishing work and then going off to do something else, we feel re-energised. Mm. But if you're finishing work and you're always then exhausted or too exhausted to do anything else, um, then that's obviously a warning sign. So um, having support, do you have other support networks? Whether, you know, we've been talking about support at work, so within work, do you feel supported? But also, do you have other people outside of work that you can sort of offload on, whether it's, your, you know, you don't want to be offloading all the time onto your partner. But knowing that someone's got your back, whether it's partner, friends, whether you have got a coach or a therapist or those types of people in your life. So having a feeling that you've got support and that you feel supported and that you're not struggling with everything alone, whether in the workplace or outside of the workplace. Um, and we've talked about psychological safety at work. So do you feel safe to make mistakes at work? Do you feel safe to challenge uh, your leader, your manager, whatever, wherever you sit in, that, in the hierarchy? Um, 
do yeah do you feel safe and confident that you could speak up and go oh my god I've totally stuffed something up and it might even be something that's cost the company money I remember mm. doing very clearly remember doing that in one of my roles and um oh what a sickening feeling to have to go and go oh my god I messed this up you know uh, but it happens it happens and and it's not you know obviously you don't if it's happening all the time in a business maybe they need to look at their processes but that's exactly what it should be like the first thing if you were to go to your manager you know your boss and say I've made a mistake you know the first thing that they should kind of be thinking about is okay how how can we fix this in the first instance where are we at with it and what do we need to do to sort it out secondly how can we prevent it happening again Mm. You know, that's really that's really what that that process needs to be, and maybe what training do you need and do other people need as part of that? How do we prevent it from happening again? You know, but what can we put in place so that mm. these things happen less often? You know, apportioning blame or someone feeling after something like that that they've got a target on their back. You know, that's not the the environment that you want to arise so yeah do you feel that you can make a mistake do you feel you can challenge your boss those are good questions to ask yourself about your your work environment um, and as I said those are the things that you can also ask your team mm -hmm. although maybe they're not gonna again depending on the relationship you already have they're not necessarily going to be honest about do you feel you can challenge me yeah but that's where if you're building that relationship and that trust hopefully that's going to be a yes and they're going to mean it, you know? Yeah, or he, they'll experience it by the individual challenging the manager and they say, okay, exactly. yeah, actually, great. Yeah, so I mean, this is the yeah. experience and and the manager is welcoming that experience and there's no nothing that's coming back off the back of that experience. Yeah, and just, a, and so, so well-being, you know, asking yourself as a manager, do I sleep well? I mean, sleep is hugely problematic for so many people and mm. it's, so necessary it has such a huge impact on our health that it even has an impact on on your longevity on how long you live if you're not getting enough sleep and if you are really struggling to get to sleep if you're waking up and then struggling to get back to sleep if you're crashing out but then you wake up in the morning you still don't feel rested so if you're not sleeping well those are also obviously really good indicators that your well-being is not sort of really in balance and that there's something going on so that's something to consider uh, as well so those are some kind of key areas you can look at and some questions you can ask yourself to say how's my well-being actually really stacking up yeah. And if you're sitting here and you're 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 asking yourself those questions and you're you're thinking, oh, my goodness, my well-being is really not where it's at, where it should be at. Mm. Um, it's not about, you know, suddenly trying to fix all areas of your life, but it's what are the one or two things that you want to focus on right now to get right. And then over a period of time, solely work on other aspects of your well-being, because you end up getting yourself even more and well trying to do too much to be able to fix your well-being um so it's kind of like a fine balance um but oh, i sorry. suspect sorry michelle oh sorry just jumping in to say stressing about your well-being is you know the kind of irony of it is that it's just adds to your stress levels obviously so mm. worrying about all the things you're kind of doing wrong and getting upset about it is obviously kind of counterproductive so yeah it's not about kind of going oh my god I'm doing all these things wrong but like you said it's picking one or two and you know small things done consistently can really move the needle you know it's mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, so it is about finding one thing at a time to sort of focus on rather than thinking you need to overhaul your whole life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel that the, you know, the boundaries that people put in place um, are quite important. You know, just trying to think about some suggestions or solutions here for individuals. Um, You know, if you are working into the evening or you aren't able to go to those things that are important to you, be family dinners or birthdays or whatever it might be, you know, where is that pressure coming from? Is that pressure coming from the manager, your leader? Is that pressure coming from yourself and, you know, and you wanting to achieve and you're feeling that that putting the time in is going to help you get there faster? So kind of unpicking where the pressure is coming from and then at some point resetting your boundaries. You do not take calls after five. You don't answer emails after five. Whatever the rules that you want to put or boundaries you want to put in place to yourself. And like you're saying, Doing that consistently will probably shift the dial for you in that scenario. Yeah, and I love that you've brought up boundaries because this is huge. And so many people do have people-pleasing tendencies somewhere to some degree. And the thing about boundaries is they are very much, they are things you put in place. But with that said, you know, you mentioning, say, you don't answer emails after five. If you are a manager and you have a boss above you, like if you're sort of middle management, this is where policies and culture come into it. People shouldn't be sending, it's it's all very well to send, you know, if you're, if you're the boss and you're saying, I'm just going to flip out this email, I'm working a bit late tonight and I'm going to send out this email. And you might even put at the subject line, don't look at this till tomorrow. You have interrupted someone's evening and of course they're going to be freaking thinking about it. So learn to use scheduled sending. If you're the one working late sometimes, learn mm. to use scheduled sending. Learn to, you know, get on board with the idea also that you can actually make a note and send that text tomorrow. Just because it's come into your mind doesn't mean it has to go to that person's inbox right now. There are, we have the technology. <laughs> to for you to manage that so it's kind of twofold yes it's definitely on us to to put it have those boundaries um and to learn to say no and to you know to to learn that it's okay to actually push back you know i've spoken to a few people in the last few weeks who are actually all heading quite definitely towards burnout and only one of them actually knew and the others just various things that came up in talking to them in their coaching sessions. I was like, well, hold on, the last four things you've just said are actually signs of burnout. And for example, one of them said, oh, but I don't work long hours. It's not just the hours. It's Again, it's the psychological stress of having uh, in her situation sort of a boss who's can be a bit volatile. She's then trying to buffer that from her team. Mm. She's a perfectionist. Her team love her, so she's a really great manager, a great leader. Um, but she's she's started to see the signs that all is not well. Mm. But in her mind, burnout is something that happens to people that, that happens to people who work eighty-hour weeks. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just you know, sometimes we've heard a word and we kind of know what it means, but only in, in its broadest sense. Yeah. So. We definitely create our own boundaries, but businesses 
again, need to understand that if they're not respecting people's boundaries, mm. at some point, that's going to come back on them. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I remember in a role there that I went into, um, my predecessor would send lots of emails at night and there was an expectation that they were answered and so forth. And when I came in, I was, you know, meeting with the whole team and I wanted to understand, you know, what are some of the things that they loved about the culture and what are some of the things that they felt uh, that could be improved and this kind of bubbled to the surface. And then I started to hear stories of it actually not just impacting the individual, but actually impacting the relationship that they're having with their husbands. You know, yes. and their husbands were getting frustrated, their families were getting frustrated so there's this kind of impact that you can have on not just that individual um but actually on their broader family environment you know and so that's the uh, i guess that's the challenge we have as as managers and leaders is around one respecting the boundaries that's not the challenge but it's also understanding the behaviors and the things that we do the ramification and ripple effect that has through our people's lives is is yes. Is, can be high. So if you're doing really great things, like you say, you you put that one manager who is amazing in your life you know, up there, you can always remember them because they did amazing things that helped you grow or made sure that you're always supported, whatever the words are. But then if you've on the flip side, you know, like you're also going to be held in a bit of, well, that was the worst manager I ever had, you know, and so forth. And um, and they ended up having an impact on my marriage or my family life. And that's that's quite scary. And then obviously on their well-being. We're excited to announce that Manager IQ has now created a new manager community called the Manager Mentor Hub. This is a place where managers can come to master their craft, get access to a supportive community and share their knowledge and experience. When you join this community, you will have the ability to undertake a management self-review, set your goals, get access to monthly masterclasses where the topics are based off the community goals, requests and other general community chatter. There is a weekly live office hours to ask and workshop any of your management questions that you might have. And of course, there's also the community itself where you can ask each other questions and get support from each other. So why don't you come along and check us out. More information can be seen at www.manageriq.com. See you there. I guess that's one of the challenges, you know, well-being is complex. Um, in your experience, what are some of the other challenges or barriers that managers could face um, in creating a workplace that has well-being as a high priority. Yeah, and I guess, you know, the the two big things that kind of seem to come up as, as barriers is um, sort of cost and time. Mm -hmm. So there have been a number of studies done that have shown that you get an ROI on well-being and in fact one that was done um, 2021 I think it was the um, New Zealand Institute of Economic Research and their study came back with for every dollar you spent on a well-being program you will get up to $12 return within 12 months. Oh wow. So by anybody's standards, that's a pretty decent ROI. Um, it is not the same as, hey, we're going to invest in this marketing campaign and then we're going to make loads of sales and we're going to see that ROI like that, right? But it is, you know, if you look at the cost of replacing one staff member, um, 
you know, it's anywhere from something like 30% for a lower end staff member to something like 400% for a C-suite exec to recruit, train, whatever, a new staff member. So even at the lowest end of that scale, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars to replace mm -hmm. one person. And not only that monetary value, but look at the impact on the team. You sort of, even if the new person fits in well, there's that kind of, you know, everything has to settle again. So, you know, you get that shift in how the team works together and the culture. You, what about the impact of that person before they left? You know, kind of being a little bit niggly and you know, talking to their friends about how they're a bit over it and they're thinking of leaving. The impact that has on other people's kind of feelings of being settled and, mm. and enjoying their work. And maybe it makes them start thinking, you know, maybe I should look around as well. I was kind of happy, but now that this person's saying this, that and the other, maybe I should just see mm. what else is out. You know, so you have all of that, not to mention the actual time it takes to sort of, you know, go through um, interviews. So you've got then that per, you know, that person's manager taking time out of their management and leadership duties to be going through that recruitment process and interview process. Um, so, you know, when you factor all that in, again, it's such a no-brainer that keeping your staff and looking after them and supporting them to also be the best they can be. Like, let's put that money into the people we've already got than putting that money into a revolving door of recruitment <laughs> and induction and, you know, having that kind of environment. So money is is the one, you know, often something, oh, we don't have the budget for that at the moment. We might look at it in the next financial year or whatever. Um, but, you know, I would really urge businesses to, to, like I said, really consider the cost of losing someone, not just the dollars that you spend on the recruitment process in actual monetary value there, but the big the big picture. And like you were saying, you know, it's a ripple effect, right, when one person leaves. Um, mm. And the other thing is time. So, you know, I touched on the fact earlier that, you know, I used to go in and do some mindfulness and yoga at lunchtime, and that's all well and good. But really, again, if we look at well-being as, as an integral part of, sort of the workplace are you expecting your salespeople to have a sales training course at lunchtime or is it work time it's paid mm. work right if we're going to get our salespeople to learn how to negotiate better or if we're going to you know give our leaders leadership coaching um, or if we're going to train a new person on how to use you know the software that we use that's not done at lunchtime, it's part of their job. So if we start to consider well-being as actually an integral part of how we run the business, then let's build in mm. the well-being initiatives. And you know, some of them don't, you know, some of them take time to kind of set up, for example, but don't take daily time, like looking at policies. You know, mm -hmm. someone's got take the time to do it, figure out what's viable and then implement those policy changes. Some of them are going to take time on a day-to-day -day basis. If we're going to run, um, you know, some team workshops on culture, communication, resilience, um, mindfulness, you're going to be taking people out of their day-to-day -day operations, aka the money-making 
part of the business, right, the money-making part of their job and putting them into something that doesn't contribute to getting more sales through the door today. But as we've, you know, just, you know, like hopefully anybody listening to this has by this point realised that an investment in people's well-being, whether it be the financial investment or the time that you're putting aside to, to you know, Im- implement these things in your business, is actually going to have an impact on your bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Time you know, time and cost are are big challenges out there. And and one of the things that I would also recommend managers do out there is actually go in and read through the policies that your organization already has, understand what benefits you already have access to, understand your flexibility policy, whatever these things are, and then use what is on offer in your organization to in the best way that you can that is going to give that support to your people, create that great environment and give them the tools because quite often there is quite a bit there. I know, I mean, I worked for for EY, a very large organization, had so many different options and different benefits. And, you know, I was leading an HR function who would get inquiries about, you know, what was available. And it was quite surprising how many people didn't realize we already had so many wonderful things that are available. So whether you're part of a larger or small organization, really get to understand what's already available in your organization, because there might be some tools and policies and things that you can already leverage. So have a look at that. And another thing that I would also encourage is don't feel like you have to create you know, your approach to well-being in isolation, have a conversation with your team in the sense saying, well, what do we think, you know, are some of the, you could do it as a design thinking exercise, get everyone to do poster notes or online um, ide- ideation where they say, you know, what are the things that are impacting our well-being right now? Okay, cool. And then you can prioritize and then as a team that you can work on it together. And, and that could be, yes, sure, they want to have time to do mindfulness exercises. I think we implemented like a half an hour well-being um, education session and we did like laughing therapy and we did yoga and we did desk pilates and all these different things but it was more about educating people on different things that you could do that might actually give them them an energy boost during the day um, other things could be um, you know how to help people manage workloads you know and so as a team they can come together and they say okay well this is how work comes in this is how we process work this is how it goes out but then how can we do that in a team so that the balance is there across the team or how can we able to say yes we've reached capacity so what are the triggers that get us there so I would encourage managers that are on the call to also consider around how you can bring your team in. Like you said, one of the pillars you had was opportunity to give them the opportunity to also contribute to the team's well-being and to, you know, uh, like being innovative in this space, because it's not just going to help well-being, but it's actually going to help the team and it's going to help workloads. And it's got so much, so much more broader reaching um, positivities that could happen by by these things that you work on. Yeah, and I really love where your thinking is going with this. Um, you A couple of things you've touched on there that I'll speak to, which is, yeah, there are often so many things in place, but if nobody knows about them, <laughs> yes, they're not doing any good, right? So as you said, as a manager, look into what's actually already there and maybe, you know, look, if there isn't, yeah, there may be policies in place that are actually really good and really supportive, but if your company doesn't have a sort of well-being initiative per se, maybe you could put your hand up to spearhead mm. that. Maybe you could get a couple of people and get a little bit of a well-being committee going and, and you know, again, getting a bit more strategic about it and getting the word out there. Here are the things we already offer. And, you know, the uptake is, you know, EAP that you mentioned earlier, you know, EAP is great and it really, really has its place. I think the uptake is five or six percent. Mm. 
Okay. So, you know, and the thing with EAP is usually it's when someone has already got to a fairly bad place mm -hmm. and the onus is on the individual to put their hand up and go, I need help. So if we can kind of get more things in place that mean that, you know, that are more preventative, that's a really good thing. Um, but yeah, getting getting those policies actually out in the light of day. And, you know, if we come back to things like induction and onboarding, where are they in that process so people know what's available to them? Because they're no good to anybody if they're just there on a piece of paper in a file and yeah. nobody ever looks at them. So that's number one that I really love that you brought that up. Um, and number two, you know, you said getting the team together and having some conversations is, yeah, asking your people what would make a meaningful difference to your well-being. If you ask people, would you rather have a cake for your birthday? And I'm not saying it has to be either or, but I'm just using the example. But would you rather have that we do a cake, you know, and a morning tea shout for everybody's birthday? Or would you rather have be able to work from home two days a week? Let's find the ones that are actually going to, that people actually want and that people feel are going to meaningfully impact their well-being. Mm. And you're not always going to be able to do the things that people ask for, but you could hold them there as maybe it'll be possible in the future um and the other thing is it's kind of a little bit of a tangent but if you do do something like a well-being survey or an engagement survey or if you do ask the questions that you know even just in a more informal setting come back to your people with what the outcomes are mm -hmm. you know don't just do an engagement survey and then crickets yeah people take the time to sit and give thoughtful answers to those questions about the workplace, whether it's an engagement survey, wellbeing survey, or whatever, do do something with it and feed back to your people about, okay, here was what the feedback we got. Thank you so much. We're now working on it and we'll be making some changes and we're going to announce those uh, on X date. Mm -hmm. Like hold yourselves accountable as an organization or as a manager or whatever your role is in that process. Hold yourselves accountable because actually to throw out something like an engagement or well-being survey and then do no follow-up on it, I truly believe that's actually worse than not doing it at all. Because mm -hmm. people are kind of like, they care. And then six months later, they're like, well, they obviously don't. Yeah, they just ticked a box. No, they ticked a box. They did the survey, mm. but it's going nowhere. And I spent half an hour really putting thought into, because I really thought this was an opportunity and they wanted people's input. And now crickets, you know. So, yeah, I think um, I think those are, you know, like I said, you, you raised some really great points there. So thank you for allowing me to just kind of expand on those. Yeah, not a problem. I feel like, Michelle, we might have to get you back on another time. I think that we've got so many more topics and aspects of well-being that we could dive into. Always uh, happy to bang on about well-being. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep doing what you're doing. It sounds like you're doing fantastic work. If anyone here is listening, would like to get in touch with you to get, you know, your one-on-one -on -one coaching or get you in to do some well-being um, strategic work with their organization, what's their best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, so my website is michellekeenan.com. That's the quickest and easiest way to see a little bit more about what I do and just contact me through the contact form there. Uh, yeah, that's that's the quick and easy option. I'm also sort of all over social media. I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. So if anybody wants to connect on LinkedIn, um, feel free to do so. 
No, great. Yeah, I've seen some of your posts have been great and um, lots of food for thought there. And, and that's what you do. You just spark the, the thought, you know, and it might it might um, it might take a get a little bit of legs in someone's mind or someone's organization. Yeah. And so, you know, look, you know, obviously I mentioned as one of the kind of objections or challenges, you know, can sometimes be the budget. But there are really so many things you can do that don't have to cost thousands or tens of thousands of dollars, you know, like that or, or anything like as a manager, as a leader, you know, starting those weekly check-ins with your whole team or starting to have those conversations and be a little bit more vulnerable. That doesn't cost anybody anything. Yes. You know, and those are those are the things that start to create that workplace environment that, you know, is um is going to be optimal for, like I said, for individuals and then for, for the business to benefit from that as well. Oh, I think that's a lovely way to to end the conversation. And uh, there's always small things that we can do that are going to have a big impact on our people and our teams. And, you know, once again, going back to that definition, if you're a manager, look at what are the the tools, the support and the environment that are within your within your team and how is that impacting on their well-being? And once again, I also liked your four pillows. So what are the things that you can do with regards to policy, culture, leadership and opportunities that are going to help increase your the well-being within your organization and in your team and your own well-being um, and maybe just pick those one or two things that are going to shift the dial for now that are going to make sense for your you and your people and then in three to six months months time reconsider rethink about what's the next thing that's going to shift that dial a little bit a little bit more yeah again and you know get feedback from your people as to what mm-hmm. they're thinking about how it's going and what they think could be done better you know or what they would like to think would be a good thing to work on next but yeah also as you touched on as the manager you know look after your own well-being because mm. part of your role is that su- supporting your team not just kind of you know telling your team what to do you know it's those leadership skills which require empathy and you can't pour from an empty cup. So, you know, equipping yourself with sort of tools, making sure you get, you know, I heard a term the other day, blue and green time, some outdoor time, sky and sky and grass, you know, get out <laughs> and, and do that. Practice some of those tools or, you know, learn some of those tools for yourself, like whether it be yoga or mindfulness, those things that help you to be present. Um, and because the more, the better you get at checking in with yourself, the better you can monitor your own well-being and also again the more sensitive you get to um you know to seeing what's going on with other people and being able to support them with that as well yeah that's wonderful advice thank you so much michelle for sharing all your knowledge and your experience today um i will um share your contact details when we post this on the different social media um technology or whatever we're going to call it but um appreciate your time thank you so much and have oh, a lovely thank day you everybody so much for having me. thank you i really appreciate it as i said always enjoy the opportunity to bang on about well-being and um <laughs> yeah i really i really enjoyed this so thank you not a problem everyone out there thanks for listening have a lovely day thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode if you have any feedback or would like us to deep dive on a specific skill please email us at hello at manageriq.com Thanks very much. Have a good day.